This is Justice Matters with Tim Buxton, coming to you from Yugambe country of the Commonberry people of the Gold Coast, Australia. I'm your host, Tim, where my sole aim is to share conversations I get to have with inspiring people doing remarkable work to create a world where we all belong. This podcast is brought to you by the Just Travel Company. Experience wonder and unearth justice and discover the just way to travel today. Visit just-travel.co. Without further ado, here's our guest for this episode of Justice Matters. Well, Jody, thank you so much for coming on Justice Matters podcast. Um, wow, we finally got you on. I am so excited. Anytime I get to spend time with you, it's a win. Ah, feelings very much mutual. Um, one of the great things about um, this podcast, with, with, with which a few other podcasts that um, I've had the privilege of hosting, is the mutual friends that are involved that have brought us together. And Jody, you are the executive director of Love Does, founded by uh, our friend Bob Goff, who yes. uh, known for many crazy, whimsical, wonderful things um, in this wonderful world of ours. But Love Does is the non-profit arm that is doing incredible things around the world, which we'll get to talk about. Primarily, though, going into conflict zones, very uh, places that people don't normally want to go, and providing education and support and aid to um, and empowerment to those uh, that are in these very difficult, challenging situations and uh, doing it in a really unique way. So not doing it in your traditional, uh, let's say, NGO way, but doing with a little bit of whimsy, a little bit of who is Bob. Um, that is really is- true, Tim. And let me tell you this, <laughs> Bob adores you and your paths crossed many years ago in Iraq and and that's a tough place to, to work in. And since then, it has just been... Um, just a mutual uh, relationship just filled with just respect and love and fun and generosity. And that is you. It is, you know, anytime I've gotten to spend time with you, you can't help but just feel like you just got a gift. And so you have a gift for making people feel great. And so it has been an awesome deal to have been uh, around you for the last number of years. And I know Bob feels uh, that way and more. Oh. oh, so let's just great. stop there. No, I'm kidding. It's great. No, I love I mean, every time could. we get to talk. We could. And um, without this being a, a mutual pat on the back session, <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, because Bob is such a, a wonderful person, but you get to see, and you and I have both seen him in mm-hmm. everyday life. And a lot of people wonder, what is it? Is this all just like you know, is it real? Like, is this guy really real? And again, uh, we've spent time together. I spent time together in Bob and three continents. You, you've now worked with him for many, many years. And, um, for those of people that don't know, I've kind of thought of, okay, if I could put him in a blender for people that might not know, it's like Fred Rogers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, oh, Fred do. Rogers neighborhood. Yep. It's like Tigger, which mm-hmm. he is self 
himself would say he's like living with him is like living with a tigger bouncing uh, around the room it's like i feel like he's jason Bourne. it's a secret identity the stuff he does you wouldn't know and he he goes to places no one mm -hmm. would even think of going um somalia to afghanistan to iraq where we met and walt disney you know like this guy that just dreams up amazingly big things and just wants this world to be and is making this world a wonderful place but what is it like because i could talk about what it's like for me to come across his past and how he when we were in israel together a mm -hmm. few months ago he's sitting in the back of that tiny rental car that i thought i was the biggest car i could get yes. and there he is squished <laughs> into the back you know like uh, first mm -hmm. in to make sure you don't you don't have to be the one stuck in the back. What's it like? What's it been like for you working with Bob? Because um, uh, I just think getting your bird's eye view would just be so much fun for our listeners. Well, what a great description of putting all those pieces together. And that's really very accurate. He would say that he makes coffee nervous. And uh, I think that's probably true. <laughs> I'll say Bob doesn't do anything small. That's for sure from his stature. Most people are really surprised when they meet him in person because he's actually mm. really, he's tall and he's big. He's got these big long arms. And so when you take pictures with them, what does he do? He stretches his arms big Selfie. and wide. <laughs> yes, it's, it's great. Uh, to, you know, Baba wrote Love Does, which is a New York Times bestseller and is, is millions of copies are around the world. And uh, he has big dreams. He has big dreams for all of us and, and wants us all to realize it. And then he also put his number at the back of his book. So he gets phone calls all day long. It's very difficult to have a meeting with Bob because he's going to be interrupted every two or three minutes and he'll take most of them and he'll, he'll talk to them. And I think he's um, said multiple times he just wants to be available. And I'm he, sorry, Jody, for the times I've called him and you've been in the, been in the been middle of an important conversation. <laughs> it's a true story. But <laughs> all that to be said, he's uh, he's just a really inspiring guy to work with and be around uh, because anything is possible. And he tries to communicate that and you feel like that at any time you're talking to him or you're working with yeah. him. That there's nothing too big. There's nothing too out there. There's just the, let's just go for it. Let's just try it. Um, and let's act. And so that really is the heart of love does is making that first next step. Mm. And so many people are paralyzed in so many ways from fear or a whole host of issues. And I think he's been really encouraging to millions of people around the world to just take the next step. If it's dreaming big, yeah. if it's loving your neighbor, if it's staying on task, it, you know, you name it all. Uh, he's kind of commented on it and he's been real encouraging to us and yeah. our staff. And I know you as well. Well, and I think he'd be the first person to admit that um, it doesn't happen without incredible partners on the ground, without incredible the confidence and faith. I mean, I've been on the receiving end that he believes in people and and the incredible competence of people like yourself mm. that are able to somehow piece together um, and navigate a lot of a lot of moving parts. It's kind of I'd almost I if I was thinking if I was doing your job, it's Jody, like drinking which from I would it's drinking from a fire hydrant. Yes, it is. Yes. And at the same time, performing like mechanical, um, like 
working on a car while it's still running. Like, like the, the, in, the in ability to kind of do so many things at once in, in so many complex, but yet with this very simple, Hey, we're just like, we're just doing the next thing, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just taking the next step. And, um, speaking of which, um, you know, you've, you've been working in Love Does in various roles right now. I love, I'd love for you to describe what's it like to be you because I know you've worked behind the scenes, you, but not only are you like this executive director that's kind of leading the charge and taking Love Does into this next season of legacy building, but you're out there with refugees in their homes now mm-hmm. in San Diego. It's a lot different maybe to, to what it, it's, it's becoming this, this special thing. And w- what's it like for you working on a day-to-day basis? What are some of the, the, the joys, the challenges? What's, what, what's, yeah, just give us a, a sneak peek into a day in the life of Jody. Well, you know, first of all, I'm a, I'm a wife and a mom. So you put that on top of it and that uh, makes it even more so a very full day. And so mm. I've got three kids. I've got uh, my oldest is in college. I've got one in high school and then one who is in middle school. And then I have a, a wife too, uh, to the real life anchor man. He's um, on TV here in San Diego. So those that have watched that movie, you definitely stay classy. So he's a uh, He's the morning anchor here and he, he's gone to seven Olympics. And so that's always fun because we've gotten to travel around the world in that capacity too. Um, and my background is as a CPA and a fractional CFO. And uh, about 10, 12 years ago, Bob called and said he was starting this nonprofit and he needed a little bit of help. And if I could uh, uh, jump in. A little in. bit of help. It was, I, it was going for a while. But anyway, it was, it was great to help from a financial perspective because that was really my expertise yeah. at the time. And so it was a relatively small nonprofit at that time. And to see where it has grown, he actually began in this, in this space, maybe about 20 years ago, 20 years ago, first in India, and then expanded Mm -hmm. pretty quickly after that to Uganda. But to see where it's gone, even in the time I've been there, which is over a decade has been remarkable. Love does is in 10 plus countries. And then we've expanded fairly significantly domestically in the last 18 months. So we've got a lot on our plate. We, I never say I'm bored. Uh, there's always something to do, uh, but it really is uh, an awesome place to work. And like you said, you know, no one can do anything by themselves. And so the staff I get to work with, Annie and Drew mm. and Kristen and the whole crew are really remarkable. And, and anytime you could put together a team of like-minded people who mm. are humble and generous and kind and just want to love people, it's a really beautiful place to be at this stage in my life. Yeah. I love that you led with your family because it's so obvious that um, that is the most important thing in your life. And I often I often love actually when we would get on a Zoom call, yep. your re- gentle reminders to me, Tim, to always put my family first. Mm-hmm. And and that's a care you have for me, I know, as, as a friend, but also for the people that um, are – on the peripherals of the orbits that we live, trying to make a difference in the world, and um, but also recognizing that back at home is is where it's so important. Mm-hmm. And I love the work that you that Love Does is doing back at home from mm-hmm. San Quentin Prison, where yeah. it's like I'm desperate next time I'm in San Diego to make sure that there's a visit that we go in, or Absolutely. else I'll just like, come on in, or else I'll do a Bob trick and put a cable 
electric cable over my shoulder and pretend like I work there just to get in there and, and, and you know. Might be a little bit more tricky to break into San prob- Quentin, but probably. go for it. I say you try. Um, but I will say this. To- connection's yeah. important, and I think connection's been important. It doesn't matter if they're partners on the ground, like you said. I think Love Does has yeah. always worked to find some tremendous partners on the ground first and then from there really build out. Uh, programs and listen to what the need is. If it's in Iraq or Afghanistan or Somalia or Nepal or Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, wherever that might be. And, you know, personally, that probably came from a little bit uh, for me when I was young, I was super shy. And I remember my mom saying, if you're ever so shy uh, and you're uncomfortable, just ask questions. And I learned early on to ask questions and then I became um, pretty good at it. And the great thing is, is that I enjoyed listening. I enjoyed listening to people. I enjoyed listening to their stories. And so from a very early on age, I learned that that connection piece of just hearing people's stories and being present and being patient and listening mm. first. Um, there were some beautiful relationships that came out of it. And that's really been the case with Love Does, I think, throughout its history is the connection piece of connecting with First of all, leaders in the local countries and then expanding around programs there or if it's in our backyard, connecting with, you know, what is near and dear to your heart. And that's refugees that, um, you know, a year and a half ago, we used to cross oceans to Afghanistan and start a school there. And then all of a sudden, those refugees were showing up on our on our shores. And what were we going to do? Of course, we're going to open up the door and say, what do you need? Not only are you yeah. welcomed, but you're invited and you're celebrated. And we want to not just call you a program, but you're our friend. And what does that look like? And it starts with connection and starts with listening and starts with hearing their stories and then seeing how can we help and asking the questions, how can we help? And then doing it, you know, doing that next step. And there's mm. a lot of little things that we could do and there's a lot of big things we can do. And I think we're real proud of everything we've been able to accomplish in the last um, 18 months with regard to refugees. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean you brought up the refugee community and uh, you got to be careful that with that with me because that that'll we'll we'll dive, dive we'll just head down that rabbit hole forever because it's obviously you know it's something I'm so passionate about just yesterday here I go yesterday I, I drove up to Toowoomba where it's a three-hour drive I, I'm, I drive up there every week and spend time with our small little team up there and um, there's been several new families that have moved from Iraq. One was two mm-hmm. days in their little home and you walk into their home and they've got nothing. And yet, you know, just a TV in the corner, um, they don't even have local phones that they've still got mm-hmm. their, their phone that's connected to their Iraqi number. They're just sitting there mm-hmm. on a, on the floor uh, it, because mm-hmm. they've got one couch, but then they don't really Yep. want to sit on it. You know exactly. I'm, I'm describing well, a scene you for you that you are now experiencing. Just 24 hours ago, I was sitting on the floor sharing a meal with refugees in uh, San Diego that they had tried to schedule for a number of weeks. And they were so grateful to have us over. And I said, made a beautiful meal from Afghanistan. And I said, How, when did you start cooking for this? And it was 24 hours prior. Yeah. And uh it, what a beautiful privilege and honor and inspiration to uh, be able to be in relationship with uh, people who are so grateful uh, in how they're living out mm. their days and are doing so with courage and are caring so much, uh, not just in 
you know, what their future holds, but also carrying loved ones and relatives and family that they know back in their home country and yeah. carrying all of the fears and the needs and the uh, everything that goes along with being in countries of conflict. Uh, and so, we, you know, we just sat and just talked and shared and shared over a meal because meals are really important in a lot of the countries we work in. And, uh, mm. you know, being on the ground and, and uh, I came home and one of my kids said, I saw a picture. You didn't sit at a table. And I said, because this is what we had. And, you know, actually they had a table, but because there were so many that wanted to sit around this meal and talk, the floor was wonderful and it was absolutely perfect. And I couldn't have uh, asked for a better meal to spend yesterday afternoon. So yes, in the last 24 hours, I too um, have shared some wonderful time with refugees. Don't we have the best yes. job? I mean, it's not even a job, don't, no. but don't we have the best life? Yes. When you walk out of that space, you can look in their eyes and you can see there's times when you know they just want to cry mm -hmm. and they're holding it all together. There's times when you know like you were saying, they're carrying, they're carrying a story that they can't articulate in a language mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. um, and yet there's not an ounce of bitterness no. on their persona. Mm -mm. Like you said, there's um, – I don't know how to tell their stories and I think empathy even as a word fails to – to be even to try and demonstrate empathy doesn't even work. Um, one of the things I just love to do, and I think it can only happen when you spend time with them, is tell other people about how wonderful they are and just talk about them because when you have these experiences, there's nothing – there's nothing that you could say, I don't think, to convince somebody other than to be in their presence is to be accepted and loved and it's to belong. And the, I, it's I, yeah, gift. it's a gift. It's it's a gift and it's freely given with no uh, strings attached. And like you said, it's a it's a beautiful privilege that we get uh, the honor to share this space with them at a sacred time in their life that they did not mm. expect. And yet we have the, the opportunity to make a choice and we all do to step up in some of those yeah. moments. And yeah. I think a lot of people feel like you have to do something big or that it takes a, like you have to uh, wait for this one special time and had had special training and maybe have more money or be at a certain time in your life. And I think the answer is now. No. What do you just have do now? It. What do you have now? What? And whatever do you, you have, have an hour a week <laughs> is is more than enough. And uh, I heard recently that legacy isn't leaving something for somebody; it's leaving something in somebody. And mm. I, you know, even if it's that, even if it's your time that you just like you said that just telling their stories, and I think listening that is such a um, a poignant uh, remark because I think so much of it is you hear from so many of these refugees they have been through something significant. They didn't expect that this was what their life was going to look like. They really didn't. I know somehow we think that they were prepared for it and they weren't. And they've experienced mm. this story. And just having someone care enough to take the time to listen to their story and then reflect on it in some way or to just you know hold it uh, is a gift to them as well. And I see that over and over and over. And you, you see it in 
as you're leaving, you know, saying thank mm-hmm. you and goodbye and giving a hug. And somehow the hug is like held on a little bit longer as if to communicate what words are unable to express in that moment of just deep gratitude. And uh, it Mm. happens over and over and over again. And you think it's a one-time event until you, you know, have this experience repeatedly and you recognize that there's something more going on. Um, It's, it's a, it's, it's a reminder to me of, you know, in the work that we do with refugees, often things start with there's a need I need to fulfill it and 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 do my duty to my neighbour, whoever they might be. That's you know that's hardship has fallen on them for whatever reason. Um, how can I serve and help? The gift is though I think in particular with um, you know you you've obviously partnering with some wonderful people in in Poland that are serving on the front lines and a lot of the places that you you are working in Congo Afghanistan they're they're you're working with communities that have been displaced that have that have um, are in war-torn situations one of the the gifts I found is that they actually by putting yourself in the position to be in their presence they're you're putting yourself, and Bob will say this all the time, right? They're our teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're the ones that are, you're putting yourself in a position where I'm the one that needs to actually change. I'm the one that needs to to let them rub off on me. I found that when I lived in Iraq, um, their culture and their way of life was so much more rich and so much more, or the problems we face in the West and we're struggling with, I feel like they're the antidote to. That they have this ability to create community and belonging that that could solve so much of our mental isolation and problems and our materialism and the issues that we're facing. And so it's doing yourself a favor by actually whatever you give of your resources or time is actually in a really like non-altruistic way. Well, there is an investment in yourself. Yes. Anytime I think you have those experiences that allow you to reprioritize things just involuntarily, you want to do more of those things. And as you leave often, you know, a dinner or an event or what it might be, and you walk away and you go, hmm, this actually makes it very clear on what's important in life and what isn't. And you don't get very many opportunities to have that different perspective. Um, yeah. As you're going on in your the busyness of life, it just is, it just seems like it's all muddled together. But then when you have those experiences with a refugee or in a country that, you know, we get to visit and you walk away going, huh, I once again am reminded of the importance of family and relationships and all the really good things in life, you know, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control and just the goodness, you know, to have that um, involuntary reminder of how to reprioritize life mm. over and over and over is uh, again, we keep saying it, but it is a gift. This episode is brought to you by The Just Travel Company, your socially responsible travel concierge. Just Travel is the best kept secret in culturally immersive and justice-oriented adventures. 
allow Just Travel to take the hassle out of your next trip and experience wonder and unearth justice. Discover the just way to travel today. Simply head on over to just-travel.co to learn more and book your next adventure. Like our flagship Israel Istanbul trip launching out in mid-July 2023. Let me ask you a question because if I was, I feel like I've so much and one of the reasons I would, I really want you on the podcast is so much to learn from you. How, when you've come away from those meetings and those interactions that remind you what I'm doing is really important, you realize to do more of that isn't to actually just spend all day in people's homes. It's to somehow galvanize and strategize and bring together all these ideas to actually make the reach bigger, not the not the 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 tower taller, but the reach wider. How do you? Because, like, you know, I would book a our consulting consultancy session with you. I, thankfully, I don't have to. <laughs> but for, there's probably a bunch of people out there that are trying to start an, a nonprofit because they or they're they're out there trying to get something done, and you've got that unique gift ability to to really make things happen to pull things together what are some of the big tips some of the big advice what's what's some of the it doesn't have to be you know you what you would put in a course but just something you know deep down that is just innate to you that you've learned over the years that you could share with our listeners well first what are you passionate about you know i think identifying Mm. what you're passionate about and then the next piece of it is, I think we talked about it earlier, is you think, oh, well, I probably need more education or I need to wait till I have more money or I need to wait for this or this or this or this. And so many of those things that'll never happen. There'll never be a time where it's like all teed up for you. And it's like, okay, now it is. Like I just handed it to you. There's always an element of stepping off the cliff. Always. Yeah. And unless you do that, you don't get the experience of, jumping into the most like beautiful water ever. You just don't, you don't get it until you step off the cliff. And so I think the next step is take the first step, just do it, jump off and you might make a mistake and that's okay. It really is. Then get yourself back up and, and try again. And, and the, the fear piece of it really keeps a ton of people from Mm. doing what so many of us were created to do. And I am always reminded of many of the places that I've gone to is that you think, oh, well, if I don't do it, probably somebody else will. They won't. I'll, I'll just yeah. use an example. In Poland right now, we there's a million Ukrainian refugees that have come into to Warsaw, three million into mm. Poland. You know, it's overwhelmed all of the systems of you yes. know, the medical system, the educational system, all of it is overwhelmed. And so when we were visiting in March, we visited a, a refugee center that it's a now a convention center that's turned into a refugee center for 6,000 plus. Yeah. And these are really mainly women and children who have left their husbands and brothers and, and um, you know, grandparent, whoever it might be, to stay and fight in Ukraine. And so there's an element of trauma. There's a big element of trauma that they're trying oh. to work through. And so they're sitting in this refugee center just waiting. And can you imagine all the, the mm. stuff that's going on in your head? And then to be able to 
be present for your children during that time. As we've seen in many places, the boredom hits after a while too, just day in and day out. Mm. It's the same thing. We're talking 10 months in now. You're thinking. 10 months in. Yes. So we uh, very quickly put together a youth center so that the kids had something to do. You know, there was just Mm. sports or recreation. And then as the summer kind of progressed and it became apparent that these refugees were not going to go back home, not anytime Mm. soon. Uh, we got together and we said, let's put together a Love Does School. And so let's create one. And uh, we were to- somehow the word got out and the vice president of Warsaw reached out to our contact there and said, what are you doing? I've heard about this and we're really grateful because our educational system is overwhelmed. And as we understand it, we're the only school that is just for refugee children in Warsaw right now. Uh, and they're wanting wow. to duplicate it or expand it and, you know, help us however we can. Uh, one of the prerequisites now is that those families coming into this convention center have got to send their kids to our school that is in now the third oh, floor of this goodness. convention center because it gives structure and it gives um, opportunity and it gives purpose to these days right now. And kids need that. They need that, yeah. especially in these formative years. And what that translates is to is hope and hope is powerful. And it's mm. really important in these, in this time, especially when things are really uncertain to have uh, teachers um, that are trauma informed, yeah. uh, y- you know, the, this is going to be your days and it's going to look like this. And so there's purpose right. to your days while you're waiting to see what life is going to look like in the months and the potentially years to come. And so we're really proud about that. And again, I go back to, well, you know what, if we didn't do it, probably somebody else would have. Nope. No. It's not true. Yeah. And so anyone that's sure. out there that's going, oh, I don't know if I have everything it takes to take that next step. And maybe somebody else would be so much better at it than me to do it. Wrong. You're it. God placed that on your heart yeah. and on your mind to take that next step. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. The world is waiting for you to do it. There's a whole host of people that are counting on you to be courageous enough to say, I'm not going to give in to all those fears that keep coming in my head and I'm still going to just go off and, and make that next step. I, yes, yes, yes. Tag, you're it. You know, it's kind of <laughs> like you don't get a choice in the matter. You can't like, <laughs> you can't look over the shoulder um, and, and, think that there's someone behind you. I I had the privilege of shortly after you were there visiting the work that you had started Mm -hmm. with this two, this two young adults that had part-time jobs that had Mm -hmm. so much joy and energy. When they walked into that center, it was like this place of darkness. And Mm -hmm. you're right. There's people lying on cots in an Mm -hmm. open area with their pets with them, with an Mm -hmm. open area where everyone's doing their laundry. And then you go to the second floor and suddenly you see these kids running around and they all just jump around this, these, these two, you know, uh, I I had the sneaking suspicion they were kind of starting to like, you know, uh, like each other. I don't know if they became an item or not. (laughs) However, they were just this, just this life. Um, Yesterday I was in, in Toowoomba and, and I call this grandma, her name's Barbara, and she's like known as the Dapira of the, the grandma of the Yazidi people. And there she is, you know, at the drop of a hat, she's in this home meeting with us. You're, you're a mother of three. You're, you know, like there's just no excuses, right? Age is an excuse. Uh, you know, obviously, 
you know, there's circumstances in our life that mean we are, can't all get out there and start our own nonprofit or do something, but we can all go across the street, right? We can all do something. And I, again, I think there's small act of kindnesses that, that go a long way. I, I maybe told the story to you before, but that same guy who's helping us in Poland, who is remarkable. I just have yeah. a ton of respect uh, for him. He uh, told a story when I asked him kind of why he was doing this. And he said that his grandma um, was Jewish and they remember not too mm. long ago uh, in World War Two that um, – you know, when Poland was invaded. And so they want to be great neighbors. And he told the story of his grandma who was really young at the time. And she was walking to the store with her mom and they were stopped by a Nazi soldier. And it was the beginning of the war. And and she said that she felt like she was going to be killed on the spot. And instead the Nazi soldier uh, kneeled down and actually hugged her and took out of his pocket a piece of chocolate and gave it to her and then ran away. And in the years after that happened, she ended up having to go to the Warsaw, the ghetto and saw some you know, awful atrocities. She incredibly survived by escaping to the outskirts of the city and riding out the war there. But when she talked about that time, the story she recounted most often was the story of this unexpected act of kindness. And you know, fast forward, a lot of years, you know, this last March, we're there at the train station as refugees are fleeing from Ukraine. And we're at the first train station that they've crossed over the border. And we went to go get a bunch of Kinder Eggs, which are, you know, a local favorite. You know, there's a toy inside of a chocolate egg. And so as people got off the the train, we would hand them over this egg and you would see, um, you know, the lines of worry on their forehead turn into just a smile because they would remember a different time that was um, filled with more joy than obviously what was happening now. But what it reminded me again as, you know, we helped with some, we're helping with some really big things in terms of food mm. and stoves and all sorts of basic sure. needs and very, and then schools and all sorts of that. But the, the, the small act of kindness, I think can almost sometimes be as powerful as some of the bigger things. And I think it's really scientific. I think there's a, when yeah. you do things like that, there's oxytocin that's, you know, released in your brain. Yeah. And I think what it also does is the part of the brain that then is for stress and anxiety and worry, it reduces the activity level in that side as well. And so it's really important just to the health of people that are going through trauma to have some of these small acts of kindness intersect in their lives. And that can happen, honestly, to anybody, anywhere. You know, you go into mm. your local coffee shop and you intersect with somebody there who's having a tough day. You might have any idea what's going on. And you hold the door open or you smile or you ask them something little or you pay for their coffee unexpectedly. And that same experience can happen to the person that you have no idea what's happening in their life, too. And it's really powerful. And the more that we do it, the more that I think, you know, mm. we have the gift of what it does for us. But, you know, imagine if we just all tried to do that just 10% more in our lives. There's never been a time that I've been alive that um, I feel like the world doesn't need it more. That's for sure, especially coming out of COVID, right? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I remember, we, speaking of which, I remember uh, just recovering, having recovered from COVID, I was going to be spending some more time with you in San Diego and... And you treated me to one of your favorite 
things. What was it? A ginger. Oh, a ginger shot. shot. <laughs> a ginger shot. <laughs> with cayenne. I think in that moment, with cayenne, you know, with, pop, with pepper, right? Yeah. Of course. See, you were all better. And you were all better. I, I was all better. I was just like totally <laughs> invincible after that. Hey, there's nothing um, like toasting ginger shots at lunch with your friend. It takes it to a new level. You're like, yes, see, we're super healthy now, ready to go. This is what I love. This is what it's, you know, to work for Jody. If you guys want to volunteer, love does, they need interns all the time. You get ginger shots at lunchtime. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to work with you? It's so, so, so much fun. Um, Speaking of experiences, um, you've got to travel a lot, as you have said. Um, What, uh, we got to travel together. Mm-hmm. We were we were in how how much fun was that? I mean, um, awesome. You're you, awesome. You got, you're awesome no. to travel with. <laughs> yeah, you're so generous and so kind. You know, yeah. it, it's a way no, of life stop. for you. No, go ahead. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just. I, I mean, we we met some amazing people, right? Mm-hmm. Like every, and this is the beautiful thing when when you when you purposefully. Um, this is the one thing about, I think, this common denominator of Bob, and, and it's not just Bob, it's so many other people in our lives. The people that are attracted, when you do good, the energy and the spirit and the joy, life is just fun. And even in a place like Israel, so it was, for me, I've been there several times. Was it your first, Jody, or second? Yep. Yeah. And it's an it's an. Incredible place, and there's some mischief being planned to do some stuff in that part of the world. I know Bob's taken a, a few groups there next year, um, but but it's this place of like it's in the news all the time. There's we cross the border into. Remember when we were like, should we stop and talk to that guy? And I'm like, screw it, we're just going to go straight through. That's right. There's no way we're getting out. No. And, and What's the worst that can happen? Up, Actually, some bad things. But there's some a lot of bad things. I think there's <laughs> been some bombs that have dropped yes. in in that area since then, and some terrible. I mean, it was it, without yeah. you know, making a joke of it. Them, it is a place that is in the news, and uh, you know, there we were weaving through these streets. I still don't know how I didn't manage to crash the um, car. Great. Um, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. It, <laughs> The beautiful people in the midst of such complexity, this world just doesn't make sense. Um, and, you know, can you share a bit about like some, what, is it, what does it do when you walk into, you know, Israel or, or the West Bank? Well, or- I just heard this recently that community is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of a reconciling spirit. And I love that mm. because, you know, in a place, Say that again. Say that again. Community is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of a reconciling spirit. And I, I love mm. it because, you know, in a place like Israel or in Somalia, um, mm. you know, we were talking to them recently. I was bringing up a story of, a, of one of an Afghan refugee who actually was um, walking. They were just talking about kind of their PTSD experiences that they've been having since coming. Mm. And I was putting a name to it. They'd never heard of it. And so I was sharing that with our, some of our staff in Somalia. And she said, you know, we don't have PTSD because there is no post. And that's really the same in Israel wow. as well. And yeah, there isn't. 
so you're all, you're going to have conflict, um, but you can have community in conflict as well. And who among us wants to stand up and say, we want to be the reconcilers. You know, we want to be the people that bring peace. Mm. We want to be the people that love our neighbor so well that, that, you know, peace is inevitable, at least between the two of us. Uh, and I think that that's, mm. um, Hmm. it's, it can be really powerful. And, you know, we've done it a lot through education and in terms of schools and, mm-hmm. you know, showing up to places and saying, how can we help? And, um, you know, finding who is kind of the least of these in that area and uh, saying, let's, what do you need? We want to be helpful yeah. uh, and showing up in that way too. What, what's, wow. That, um, Community is in the absence isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of a reconciling spirit. How can we? I mean, what a beautiful thing to take into your day to day, right? Like whether it be a you know we're on the back end of Thanksgiving and holidays and family gatherings, or whether it be at work, um, it's building community. Building a place is actually just wanting to take the first step towards. Um, reconciliation mm-hmm. what a gold nugget for anybody listening today like because what that that focus of just if i can just take a first step towards reconciling it's not doesn't have to be you don't have we don't have to solve the middle east peace conflict mm-hmm. right we just need to solve who in my life is their tension with that's not a bad thing. I love the fact that you're not saying it's a bad thing that there's conflict or that it's a bad thing that there's tension. That's just kind of like. But what do you do in the midst of it? Even in a horrible what do you do in the midst of it? Think of our friend, the Nazi soldier. Not he, but the my friend who yeah. came up encountered the Nazi soldier, who even in that situation, obviously he was. You would think he was incredibly conflicted as well. He should have been, and yet provides a piece of chocolate in that. In any situation, wherever you're at, you have a choice. Uh, to make that situation better, even if you're in an awful situation yourself and uh, the power of what that can do, you know? It's like if I were to say, what what does love does <laughs> do? You know, mm-hmm. like that That sounds really complicated. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know what? It, love does what? Love does. I think it shows up in the most difficult of situations and places and finds a way to love its neighbor well, extraordinarily well, you know, in a way that they walk away and say, what just happened there? And often it does come with balloons and whimsy and unexpected kinder eggs or what it might be, but it's because uh, there's power when you love your neighbor. And sometimes it doesn't get reciprocated, right? That's okay. And... I love how that's okay. And it's not about the end result. It's just, this is what I have to do because it's the only thing I can do. Uh, just because I, one, when is the time when you've really most felt like you belonged? It doesn't have to be the most time, but is there a memory? Is there a time from your, it could be from your childhood. It could be just recent. It could be, uh, where you just had that feeling, you know what? I belong. I think the times I feel most like that is when I get to do the stuff that I was made for. Mm. And 
some of that is being a mom because I love mm. my kids and I, I love kids in general. I just, I want to champion them. I want to, I, 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 I think they're awesome, fascinating. And creatures. you have some awesome kids and I have that awesome I love kids. to see you champion. I, I have awesome kids <laughs> that I so love great. to champion their friends too. Um, mm. And and I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to do that. From an early that. age, you know, my mom asked, you know, I remember my parents asking, what do you want to do for a living? And I was like, I want to be a social worker. And I remember them saying, ah, oh, it's pretty tough to make a living doing that, you know, whatever it was. And I was really good at math and they kind of encouraged <laughs> me to go into the math field. And of course I became a CPA and fractional CFO and all sorts of things. And that really served me well. But it's interesting because that feeling of wanting to help and be a social worker mm -hmm. stayed with me kind of through my whole life. I remember, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago when I had like three kids under the age of five and I just, I would go into these groups with moms and I would say, you know, can we do something else? Like besides just kind of taking them to the park and maybe I was working during that time too. And they'd say, no, this is about it. And I was like, God, I feel like we could help some more people or do some stuff. And I said, I kind of think that's just you. But again, it mm. feels like God placed that on my heart for a, a reason. And it wasn't the right time to do like right. to go full on on that. And I think sometimes God places that stuff on your heart and the answer is, mm -hmm. Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing, but wait for a while until the time is right. I've often kind of used the analogy of football. I love sports, American football. And, and if and you're the, the Kansas city, what's it? The Kansas city chiefs. Um, no, the, no. What's the, oh, the, the Kansas chalk, Jayhawks. chalk rock? Yes. Oh, the basketball. I love it. They're the reigning. Sorry. Chalk rock. Yeah, I'm rock, chalk, bring that rock. in. They're the reigning rock national champions. Anyway. Sorry. Okay. He loves sports. But in football, you know, you're, you, the running back is running and they have a blocker in front of you and you can't really see mm. what you're supposed to, you know, what's happening until they block and a hole opens up. And at that time, you know, you're supposed to run through it. Right. You yeah. run as fast as you can through it. Just go. And it can be really frustrating when you feel like there's stuff that's been on your heart or you're made to do something mm. and you can't find the opportunity yet to like run through yet. It just is like all dark. And I, I love thinking that there's, you know, maybe there's angels blocking in front of you and, and just wow. wait, just wait. And then the, there's going to be a hole that opens up and when it does run through it, sprint through it, go through it because there's just, joy and peace and all sorts of things on the other side. And, and I think, um, you know, that happened, I think when Bob called, however, many years ago to yeah. say, Hey, would you help here? And then when the opportunity arose to take a, a, a larger leadership role and then sitting in the homes of, of Afghan refugees or helping to resettle Ukrainian refugees or being in San Quentin prison with um, prisoners that exhibit such grace and uh, mercy it's, it's such a beautiful, life-changing thing to listen to their stories and how it's a lot of the stuff is being redeemed and still being redeemed to be able to be in Uganda at a school that started with nine mm. kids in a uh, post-war country that now has 1,400 kids and has really become the jewel of northern Uganda, has educated the future doctors and lawyers and engineers of that country, or Amazing. to be in the Republic with the women's resource centers and to give opportunities to women who previously didn't have those and, and what they're capable of doing, not only just for themselves, but they're for communities. And when I sit in those spaces and I get to be in those places, you walk away and you, it's a moment. It's a moment in your car. It's a moment on the plane. It's a moment as you're going to sleep that you think I was made for this and how mm. cool it is because not everybody gets the opportunity to, and I get it, right. but how cool it is that I got the opportunity. One, I said, yes. 
but that I got the opportunity to do what I was made to do. And that's a beautiful place to be. And that's where I feel like I belong the most. Wow. And I'm grateful that I get to be a part of it in a small way that we get to. In a big way I get a lot to just, of times too. Yeah, it's true. But it just uh, it's been it's been so much fun, um, you know, just uh, spending a little bit more time. For, I think the first time we met was. Well, it was it a while might ago. Have been I think it was extremely a briefly at Love Does uh, offices. Maybe like a, five, a seven ago. years ago or something. The, the, the times are blurred, but um, uh, you've got some big things planned. You guys celebrated 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we've got some exciting things on the horizon together as well. Uh, how can people get involved? Um, and, and I know this isn't just the, a try, you know, where you can give, you can volunteer, but, and, and, but where people want to, I know they're going to be listening to this and like, where do they go? Just tell them where do they go to give? Where do they go to to volunteer and to serve if they're in the San Diego area? Um, and I think, you know, there's always their neighbor across the street, which we can encourage them to go to, which, you know, if all else fails and they can't get a hold of you. I don't think it's so far. I think you start there. I really yeah. do. I think if you don't know the names of the people that are surrounding you, if it's in an apartment building or if it's in a cul-de-sac, you know what, make it a goal by the end of the year to know their names at a minimum. You can bring them candles, mm. whatever it is. It's Christmas time. It's a perfect opportunity. Uh, but, you know, lovedoes.org is our organization. Yes. So go there. There's lots of information. You know, there's, you can sign up for our weekly. Isn't there like, it's really great. Um, you Right now people can partner to provide toys for Ukrainian refugees for Christmas. Well, I love that you, you're so on it, Tim. You're so good. Yes. We've got toys for Ukrainian refugees. How fun would that be? Yes. We're opening up a teen mom home. And so we're now furnishing this teen mom home. We need blenders. We need toasters. We need diapers. Uh, you know, we have a, a bigger outreach just to single moms. Anyone can go out and general. buy a blender when they're out Christmas shopping. Or Come just on. some buy a blender, or whatever or just, that might You can be. go to, on Amazon, right? It's on an like, Amazon wish can, list. So you can yes. link to that and, and, and bless this home and know that for Bam. years to come that, that you know, your uh, saucer that you gave or your pan that you gave is being used to love some women who needed it and some little babies who now will have a, you know, a future, a better future because of whatever you gave. But I'll say this, Tim, they should go to youbelong.org and they should go there because that is your heart. And, you know, as, as I've, I've never believed that it was like either, or the pie just gets bigger. And yes. uh, you, I love championing everything that you're doing. I love your heart. I trust your heart. I know, uh, you just want to do the most good you can uh, in this world while you, with everything you've been given. And so go there first. I think that's the, that's the best place. Uh, but I, I would agree, you know what, at your local Starbucks or coffee shop or yes. backyard school, whatever it might be, there's a great place. What's so fun is you invite people in the opportunity to return the favor. And by that, I mean, you give them the opportunity. We have this older couple next door to us that, um, these two ladies that are just the sweetest thing and they love our kids so much and they love our, we got a new puppy, Winnie. Remember we're talking yeah, about do. getting a puppy when yes. we were in Israel and I caved, I did, I, I caved did. in yep. 
And my wife several times has wanted to return it because we have four kids and it feels like now we've – no, she has five kids and now we've – because, you know, I'm the big kid in the family. But now we have this extra thing. But they, they're constantly they, – they, they're bringing over dog food for our puppy Winnie and they're bringing over banana bread for our kids. And when you take that first step to maybe – give or or extend a hand to somebody else it's giving them permission to want to return the favor not in a like i have to but it's like it's this like oh that's what we do life is giving and receiving and if you can't receive you certainly aren't going to be a very good giver well it's a connection and that's what we're made for we are made for relationships we're made for community we're made for connection and you're exactly right. We have the same thing. We've got neighbors next door. They could never have kids. They're older now. My At the time, my five-year-old went over with a, 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 you know, a, a coloring picture two weeks after we moved in, and that was eight years ago. And every week since, Aww. up into COVID, uh, my youngest uh, baked and gardened with um, our neighbor. And uh, we have walked through a whole bunch of stuff, and now um, – Again, they could have our kids, so they've really become like our parents and grandparents, pseudo-grandparents. Wow. And he is in his middle 80s, and he's kind of having some medical issues now and can no longer do chores around the house. So now my 17-year-old son goes over every week and helps with chores and in the meantime is learning how to do, you know, uh, he's just an amazing guy. This guy, he's learning all sorts of electrical, uh, how to like change electrical issues. He's doing all sorts of like carpentry and learning. And so now it's like this um, both ways it's going, it's a blessing to them and it's a blessing to my 17 year old. So so much so, and you know, teenagers and, and boys. And when I asked if he would go over, they, of course they wanted to pay him. And he said, please, I don't want to take any money. I would be happy to do it. That, you know, what does it take for a 17 year old boy at the time of life to say, I would love to go do chores. I won't do maybe chores happily. He won't clean his room, but he'll certainly go over there. I'm happy to go over (laughs) to my neighbors uh, and do chores for as long as they want for nothing in return. And that's because relationships, because over the years they've got cookies and it's just a relationship and you can't help but want to give. And that's what we're all invited to do with all sorts of people throughout our whole life. And so to not do it is to miss out on the blessings that would come from it. Well, I cannot, I cannot wait to re-listen to this episode to, uh, thankfully we don't probably won't need to edit too much. Um, but you know, that's what love does does so well at the heart of what you do. It's relationship. It's serving people. It's loving people. Go to lovedoes.org. Um, and if you're in the San Diego area, definitely make sure you hit them up and 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 volunteer some time. There's so many ways um, that I'm sure you could put them to use, Jody, with yes. your wonderful team. Yeah, reach um, out. We'd love to get you involved. Yeah. And then Tim, oh, we get to see you hopefully yeah. soon too. We got to figure out our next adventure. There's lots of adventures Come on. in the future. I know. It's going to be so much fun. It is. Uh, it's been it's it's been wonderful actually on that note driving back up to Toowoomba every week mm-hmm. and and being in that community it's funny how um, sometimes we again we think we've got to go to the other side of the world and you've been on a little journey with me on that but um, it's so 
funny how right in front of us staring us in the face is so many opportunities so if you're listening to this hopefully you're inspired to tag you're it get out there just do it don't look over the shoulder and think someone else is going to do it jody you shared so much of your joy and your passion and your wisdom with us uh, and with me um thank you so much and uh have like have a great rest of your day thank you thank you tim always wonderful to be with you and uh you're an encouragement to me and i know that will be the same for years to come so hey thank you thank you and thanks to all your listeners as well i can't wait to to hear all the wonderful things they're going to do and i know it's going to happen so you thanks jd thanks thanks for making it to the end of another episode of justice matters with tim buxton It is an immense privilege to share these conversations and inspiring people with you. To learn more about how you can get involved or learn more about today's guest, head on over to the show notes or episode description. This podcast was produced by the master himself, Jose Biotto, with just a little bit of help from me. The featured music is the song Turning Over Tables by The Brilliance. Lastly, to my Patreon community out there, Thank you so much for your support and generosity. Without you, this podcast would not be possible. If you'd like to become a patron and get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, visit patreon.com forward slash justice matters and start your give-what-you-can monthly contribution today and join me and so many others in creating a world where everyone belongs. Until next time. Thank you for subscribing and sharing this podcast with your friends. Justice Matters with Tim Buxton acknowledges and pays respect to the past, present and future traditional custodians and elders of this nation, now known as Australia, and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.